Happy Mother's Day. Um, it's good to see you all this morning. I want to reiterate the things that Pastor Luke said and my own comments as well. I mean, there, um, you know, we could talk, talk a, long, a long time, but I, I am increasingly convicted and I'm increasingly convicted about the truth and reality, both of the both importance of. Um, of the role of a mother in a child's life, but also the just extraordinary, extraordinary um, task that uh, mothers and fathers, parents have in uh, raising their kids. And every day I see that more and more and experience that more and more. You are valued, um, loved, and prayed for uh, because it is a extraordinarily difficult, um, usually usually thankless task, um, uh, joyful, and also, and also difficult. Um, we, um, my name is Cameron. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and along with uh, Pastor Gordy and Pastor Luke, whom you already met this morning. Uh, we're in a small series in, uh, on, on the topic or the subject of prayer. And uh, last week, Pastor Luke preached on the role of or the kind of the function of fasting in the midst of our prayer life and how fasting uh, awakens a hunger for God in us spiritually as we're practicing the discipline of hunger for God uh, physically when we deny ourselves things that we that maybe that our body needs and instead of in taking um, bread for food we uh, we receive the bread of life, right? That we we ask that 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 Jesus would fill every need that we have. Um, you know, when we talked the week before about the the Lord's Prayer and how and how when the disciples were walking with Jesus and they were seeing all of the things that he did, all of the miracles that he performed, all of the teaching that he did. Um, all of the things that he possibly or that they possibly could have seen and experienced with Jesus, they they then they asked Jesus. They said to him, um, you know, Lord, it, it wasn't, hey, teach us how to perform miracles, teach us how to break bread, to feed the ten thousand or feed the five thousand, teach us how to raise the dead. Um, they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? We see that John's disciples are teaching. Um, or that John is teaching his disciples to pray, Lord, we see you praying. We see, we see that practice in your life. Would you teach us how to do the things, do the thing that we see? And so uh, I think that should, that, that should speak to us uh, also, both about learning how to pray, but also practicing uh, to pray. Um, because sometimes I think that we will, we approach prayer as, as people who admittedly remember we did we kind of did um, uh, prayer disciplines by vote that week right and how many of us let's, let's do it again just to be just so you can all not participate again all right um, that I, thank you Jeremy all right 
Uh, how many how many of us believe that prayer is an important part of our Christian faith and spiritual walk? Yeah, okay. Um, right. How many people here who raise their hands think that they who would say, yes, I think that I pray, I pray enough. Okay? So the like the, the dichotomy I think exists in in everyone who follows Jesus, right? Is that we all think we all know to an extraordinary level how important it is to, to pray. We all have this sense as well about like, you know, I, I don't believe that I am praying enough. And sometimes we approach prayer with a little bit of um, what the term like paralysis by analysis. And we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, what is the right way to pray? And what are the right words that I should use when I pray? And where can I pray and where can I not pray? And, and how should I pray? And should I pray like the Lord's Prayer every single time? And we, we build this sense of needing to crack the spiritual code in order to make our prayer effective, in order to make our prayer real in order to make our prayer the exact kind of prayer that God will hear and that God will answer. And sometimes in the midst of trying to build this formula or this code that we must break, we analyze so hard that we sit in a, in a state of paralysis that actually just doing the thing, right? And, and we're trying to figure it out so much that we that we fail to do it at all. I don't know if that's been your experience before. That's been my experience at times where, where um, I've been, been paralysis by analysis. But the Word paints a much different picture for that for us. Certainly that we can pray in the pattern and in the way that the Lord taught His disciples to pray. You know, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. We talked about that a few weeks ago. If you missed that sermon or you missed Pastor Luke's sermon um, last week, I would encourage you to go on the app, go on the YouTube page, um, uh, go on the podcast link. All of the sermons are always online for you uh, to hear that. But 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 um, the the word the word is really clear, right? That 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 we stand in a place of boldness. We can stand in a place of boldness and confidence in our communion with God through prayer because of what the blood of Jesus has done for us or done on our behalf in our relationship with the Lord. Right? That, that through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the work and ministry of Jesus, we are able to, um, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need that as like as we are as we are approaching god in our time of need let us find the grace to understand that we may approach boldly and with confidence because jesus christ has gone before us and made the way possible for us to stand in relationship with God our Father. That we, that we have access to God through our prayers. 
not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus that is ours by faith. And we stand in bold confidence that, that God hears us in our time of need because Jesus has made that possible for us. See, the reality is, is that um, prayer is not a natural position or practice of our souls. I think sometimes we, we want to try and convince ourselves that we're the only ones that have a hard time continuing and persisting and being uh, persistent or, um, or consistent or regular in our prayer. Like I know every other Christian, they pray all the time. And they don't struggle to like develop a, a strong prayer life ever. But I'm over here and I just can't do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. And, and God, I, and I truly believe that, uh, like, like God, God must be mad. I, God's probably really disappointed and really angry with me. And, and, and all of the bad things that are happening in my life or all of the negative circumstances, they are, they are just the fruit of me not praying because God, God is trying to, God is trying to teach me a lesson about this. Well, you know, read the Bible a few times, um, studied it for a little while, and I don't, I don't know of any place in Scripture where, 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 where God is casting or proclaiming judgment for a people's lack of prayer, as if somehow we are, we are in a, we are, we are standing in a position of sin and judgment because of the lack of prayer. What does happen though is that when we when we cease praying or when we fail to pray or when we choose not to pray, we simply forfeit the blessing of communion with God himself. That God offers himself to us, his actual presence to us in the midst of prayer through His Holy Spirit. And if we say no to that, we forfeit the benefit, the blessing, the power, the conviction, the joy of being in His presence in the midst of prayer. So, I think that we often get really down on ourselves. I think that we'd be just... <laughs> Very simply, we would be wise to be a little more gentle with ourselves because prayer is not a natural position of our soul. It must be trained. It must be developed. It must be practiced over time. That is why we call these things disciplines. Right? Um, you Kind of the, the phrase, well, I'm not good at praying. I'm just not good at it. Right, um, you know, I kind of like. I think that there's an analogous situation that that many of us may may kind of relate with. Um, I'm not good at praying. Would be would be similar, I think, to saying like um, I I have difficulty connecting um, emotionally with my spouse, for instance. Right, my spouse and I were just not close. We, just, we don't we don't connect emotionally well. We're we're just we're not close to one another. It's the same as I'm not good at praying. Both are fixed 
at least in a large part by exercising the thing that we're actually not good at. For instance, we become no more closely connected with our spouse by being distracted in our lives and our relationship and maintaining physical distance, emotional distance, um, uh, conversational distance from them. I'm not close to my spouse. I have, we have very little intimacy. How, how often are you talking to one another, like face-to-face? -face? Number of minutes per day, right? That you're eye-to-eye, face-to-face conversation. How much time, how much time uh, are you doing that versus what's the, what's the little screen time app say on your phone, right? Compare and contrast the two. How, how, um, how close are you? Physically, are you maintaining physical intimacy with one another? What is the level of connection that you have with one another? And we, we don't and we won't get any better at praying by never doing it and only listening to a sermon or four a year or listening to a podcast, right? Or reading a book. The only way that we grow in our relationship with God through the act of prayer, is doing the very thing that we are weak at. You want to know how to develop a stronger, more significant prayer life? It's, it's persistence. It is persistence. We cannot, cannot, cannot give up. Are there any do um just gonna are any of my jujitsu students in the room? One or two? Billy trains jujitsu, I know that. Henry trains jujitsu. Me. Okay, so many of you know I um I do Brazilian jujitsu and I've been, been doing that for um almost eighteen years now. And um and and have achieved the rank of black belt and am like one of the funnest, most fun things I do is teach jujitsu. It's the thing that keeps me relatively sane. Okay, um, it's a form of exercise. It's a form of self-discipline, right? Um, and uh, there's kind of this principle that we have in jujitsu, which says, or because like there's 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 five main belts. There's a white belt, right? It's a beginner. Then you have a blue belt. It's like intermediate. Purple belt is like average to medium brown belt you're giving getting into like semi-advanced and then black belts considered like um advanced or expert level right and and the the everyone always wants to know when they start jujitsu well how do i get from white belt to black belt faster than anyone else in all of the world how do i get there in like a year or two and and we understand this because we we live in a culture that wants immediate results with minimal input, right? We want expert level results with beginner level input. And I would tell everyone this is that, is that the only difference between a white belt who knows nothing about jujitsu and a black belt who, who has attained expert level is not necessarily their physical qualities, how smart they are, um, um, how, how athletic they are. It's that 
a, a black belt is a white belt that never gave up. It was too dumb to stop, right? Sacrificed their knees three times, right? For the sake of learning the art and keeping going on and, 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 and refusing, to, refusing to give up. Persistence is the key. It's not, it's not just adopting a, a mindset of I desire to give as little as possible to the development of the, this discipline, but I expect maximum results from my minimal effort. That's a bad that's a bad axiom to carry in any area of life. Your spiritual life is no different. We think somehow that that axiom doesn't apply to our relationship with the Lord, which we always talk about as a relationship that is intimate, right? And any relationship that is intimate that is given minimal effort will give minimal output. Period. We should not think it to be any different with our prayer life. Jesus spoke on persistence as a key to the development of a strong prayer and spiritual life. And He was not veiled about it either. This was not a mysterious concept that the disciples were like, oh, what a difficult teaching. What could this possibly mean? We don't understand what he's saying. Maybe someday we will know. It wasn't one of those types of teaching from Jesus. When Jesus taught on the importance of persistence in prayer life, he said it as clearly as he possibly could. If you look at your gospel, uh, your, your Bibles, the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to Him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time He refused, but finally He said to Himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? The very first verse here in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, is, makes it really clear as to what the point of the parable is, right? Sometimes parables can be confusing. Luke wanted this to not be confusing at all. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. You want to know the um, interpretation 
or the theological explanation of the parable here is that you should always pray and never give up. That's it. There's not anything to add to this, right? There's no, there's no really si real significant insight here. There's no deeper level of meaning. What, well, what Jesus really meant was this. No, what Jesus really meant was that, was that we should always pray and that we should never, ever give up. Now, I love it when the Bible and Jesus here leaves nothing up to interpretation. Because you don't, you don't need me to kind of like explain or elucidate all the theological points and practices here. Always pray, don't give up. And Jesus kind of tells a story to help make the point hit home harder. Now, sometimes we read this story and we could get a little confused because, because it seems to paint... God as like a, an unwilling judge who wants us to annoy him until he gives us the thing that we're praying for. But I want you to read the parable or look at the parable carefully here, okay? Because Jesus is not making the comparison between the judge that gets annoyed by the widow's constant requests and God. It's not that they're not the same people in the parable. They're separate, okay? And he says this, right? Um, God is not the judge in this story. How do we know that? Well, we know for a, a few reasons. One, because we know in verse 2 that Jesus says that the judge in the story did not care what God thought. So that the judge stood, stood apart from God, that that the judge and, and God were not the same. That the judge was unjust. We know that God and the, we know that God is just, right? And and the, the judge is not here. Um, it says that he did not fear God, nor did he care about man. In fact, that God is a part of the parable, separated from the judge. Right? So. So it would be improper or incorrect to say, well, yeah, I guess God just wants me to annoy him until he gives me the thing that I'm praying about. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He makes a distinction between who the judge is and who God is, and that's very clear from reading the parable. So in verses 6 to 7, even if the unjust judge says, right? So this widow keeps coming to him. For some time, he and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Kept coming to him over and over and over again. For some time, it said that the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. He's the Jesus in the parable is holding up the consistent and persistent coming to the judge of this woman. He's holding up the axiom of always pray and never give up. 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 You know you know why we don't persist in prayer? Cuz we're quitters. We are. Like, can we all just admit 
that we quit easy, right? Like we don't see results and eh, it doesn't work. Told your prayer doesn't work. I've been praying about this thing for like two days. I must have said three or four prayers. This thing doesn't work. Right? We have such a, we have such an, um, just like infantile, elementary understanding of what it means to persist in prayer. Some of y'all have been praying for people in your family for decades. Wondering, when is this going to happen, Lord? When are you going to show up? When are you going to break through? When is this thing going to change? And you may be on the brink of saying, the Lord's not hearing me, or it must not be the Lord's will, or the Lord must have a different plan. And like, so I'm going to just stop. I'm just going to let go and let God. No, listen to me. No, uh-uh. No. Let go and let God is... It makes me kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit, okay? Because Jesus is clear. Always pray. Do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. Stop thinking, I've been praying long enough. This must just not be something that the Lord wants to, doesn't want to do. No. Do not give up. Verses 6 and 7, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. If the unjust judge will finally acquiesce to the requests of the widow because of her persistence, how much more will God Bring about justice for his chosen ones who are his sons and daughters. Our God, if an unjust judge finally is like, enough already with the prayers, lady. How much more is a loving father to his daughters and sons eager to bring about justice for them? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I think sometimes, um, or I think we would, we, we could all resonate with this kind of rhetorical question of how would we describe our prayer as hitting the ears of God? Would we, would we describe our prayer as hitting the ears of God day and night with a persistency that would wear someone out if they were listening? Or is it more like, you know, the fire extinguisher in the back of the cabinet that's under the sink? You're pretty sure it's there. If a fire starts, you might grab it real quick. Now, um, here, here is something that I have found to be, um, I think, helpful in our, when we, how about we do this? Think of the thing 
You all have it. All right? It's going to be the first thing that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. Think of the thing that you know you should be praying more persistently for, but you've given up. Maybe a person. Maybe a situation. Right? Maybe something internal to who you are. You know, you know what it is. Okay? Maybe a desire that the Lord has put on your heart. But, but you've prayed for it in the past. And you've maybe gone through seasons of prayer. But you've got a little weary and you gave up. And, um, and you're ready to take up the task of praying persistently again. But you are worried that you will get discouraged and stop praying again. It's a legitimate concern, okay? And, and what, what I believe is that, is that um, persistence in prayer, yes, is a discipline that we develop as individuals. Uh, however, we also, uh, we are not just individuals. We belong to a body. And what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no use for you. That, that we are part of the same body, and at the head of our body is Jesus Christ himself, right? That we are united with one another, inextricably with one another, through our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? You cannot separate yourself from others by faith when we have similar faith in Jesus Christ. Right? We are one, one body. And so we say, well, no, I just need to individually develop this gift of persistence more and I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I just need to do a better job and I just need to pray more and I just need to keep prayer going and going and going and going and going and going and going. Like, okay, yes, maybe you do. But have you considered, right, that the, that the gift of the body that is around you, a gift of the body that is around you, can come alongside of you in the burden of this thing that you're carrying and offer prayer on your behalf when you become weary and want to give up? How do we keep our prayer persistent when all we want to do is give up. We are honest with those who are in community with us and say, listen, I desperately need this thing to hit the throne room of God like 24-7, always praying, never give up, but I am weary and I am tired and I don't know if I can do it anymore. Okay, I will pray for you on Monday. I will, I will keep this prayer moving to the throne room of heaven to the just judge that hears his sons and daughters and that will quickly bring about justice. I will keep it moving on Monday. You keep it moving on Tuesday. She's going to keep it moving on Wednesday. He's going to keep it moving on Thursday. We're going to keep it moving together on Friday. Saturday, you're going to do it a little bit more. And then Sunday, we're going to pray together at church for this thing. And we are going to develop the gift and the discipline of persistence together because we are not individuals. We are one body connected together by our faith in Jesus Christ. You want to develop persistence in the midst of weariness 
and a desire to give up, join with other people. Have the boldness to say to the person next to me, next to you, I need you to pray for this person in my life because I want to give up and I am tired and I can't do it anymore. Do you have someone? Do you have some ones that you can count on to pray with you or for you? And here is even maybe a more significant question. Are you the kind of person that is faithful to answer the call to pray for someone else when they ask you? One of the biggest disservices that we can do to our brothers and sisters in Christ is say a flippant, I'm praying for you, and not actually do it. Thoughts and prayers. I don't need your thoughts. I need you to pray to the only one who can make a difference. Okay? Our thoughts are deceiving. The Lord is not. He is just and He is good. And He is eager to hear the prayers of His daughters and His sons. When you say, I'll pray for you, do it. And do not delay. And if you are able, do it then. In that moment. I'll pray for you tonight. Okay, pray for me tonight. Can you pray with me right now, too, please? Right? Can we, can we, get, can we get on with it? Like it now. Persistence. Remember, Jesus makes it very clear. Then Jesus told a parable to his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. Very clear, Luke chapter 18. Closely connected to persistence is boldness. We must stand in a position of boldness in prayer if we are going to persistently pray. Because that's a bold thing to do, right? It's very bold when my child asks me the same question 50 times in a two-minute period. Very bold. You're tempting fate, little one. Like, do you have a word count you're trying to get in before 7 a.m.? Or, like, <laughs> it's working. Closely related to persistence is boldness. Now, we already looked at Hebrews chapter 4, 6, which, or 16, which says that we can come to the Lord with a posture and a position of boldness and confidence because Jesus has gone before us and made that way clear. But elsewhere in the Gospels, we see the same thing. Luke chapter 11. Now, this is Luke's account of um, the Lord's Prayer that we looked at in Matthew chapter 5 two weeks ago. So Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 5. And then he said to them, this is the words of Jesus right after he taught them in the Lord's Prayer. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight. Y'all, don't be knocking on my door at midnight. It better be an emergency. Okay, right? That's the point. He's setting up the conditions for a bold ask. Okay? 
Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. A bold request at midnight for three loaves of bread so you can feed your guests. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you though, though you will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. What is the condition that the request um, that the request is made by, or the, the the request is approved? Right? Sure, I'll give you the bread. Why? Under what conditions is the request approved? Because there's close relationship. Because he's the friend. No, the friend's like, bro, it's midnight and you want bread. Give it a rest, right? No, it's because of the boldness of the one who came to ask that the request is fulfilled. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The Lord is telling me right now, listen, um, some prayers in your life are not getting answered because you're not asking. You're thinking about them. You're thinking thoughts, right? You're not thinking prayers, though. You're thinking thoughts. Lord wants to answer prayer. The Lord answers prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I know of no underlying theological or spiritual principle there that I can make a workaround that somehow is like, well, yeah, but he sometimes answers and seeks when you seek and you find. Like, it's, it's kind of obvious. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I'm sure each of us have stood in a position of being really surprised when someone has made what you perceived as a really bold request of you. Like they, they knew it was an inconvenience or downright wrong to ask, but they, they did it anyway. And you were kind of like so struck with their boldness to ask that you actually did the thing that they asked of you. Right? Like, I mean, normally I would like not even consider this, but I'm kind of just shocked that you'd even ask. So, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's go for it. I'm all in. The man gets up, fulfills the request because of the boldness that came with it. Jesus says that, that boldness in approaching the Lord matters. Listen, I, wanna, I want to... This needs to be said very, very clearly, all right? Because I think that this passage in Luke 11 
very clearly says it, even though it doesn't say it in these words. And that's this, is that, that we, listen, we must, 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 must reject any theology or belief that paints God as a reluctant giver. Like that God is reluctant to hear our prayer and answer. That he doesn't actually want to. That he doesn't actually hear. Everything that we see here, even in the words of Jesus, is that like, hey, ask, receive. Seek, find. Knock, and the door will be opened. If you know of some type of like variant interpretation of that, that somehow like uses the realities of our own world to interpret that, then hey, email me and let me know. I know of no other than here the plain truth of the Word of God from Jesus Himself is that, is that when we ask, we receive. And then the rest of the parable, or the rest of, the, of, the, um, of this passage, which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? How much more then does your Father in heaven? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Jesus himself says, if the wicked know how to provide for their children and give them the good things when they ask, how much more does the Father in heaven know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who asked him? God responds to every request that we have by giving himself to us through the Holy Spirit. We pray bold prayers when we get a correct picture of the one that we pray to. If we believe that God is capable of doing only small, insignificant things in our life, then we will only pray small prayers. But if we believe that God is capable of moving every mountain, we will begin to pray that God would move the mountains in our lives. They are beyond that, Lord. Like, it's so, like, they're so far down that road. Like, I don't even, I'm not going to even pray for Him anymore because I'm just like giving them over to You, Father, because they're gone. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'll, you'll pray small prayers for that person. You'll pray small prayers for your life if you have a small view of what God desires for you. Or you have a, you have a limited perspective on the power of God to move the mountain. God is not reluctant to hear and answer the big prayers of our lives. We are just often reluctant to pray them because we believe that he doesn't want to give them to us. Or that it can't happen. 
or that it's impossible or that I'll never see it. So I give up. I don't pray for the big things and I don't keep praying for the big things. We lack boldness and we lack persistence. Probably the, lack, the last thing that I would say that we, that we lack that is a developing discipline in our prayer life. Right? Now, I think most people here have had some type of experience where, uh, have you ever gone to like a concert or a sporting event, a Bills game or something like that, and you've lost your voice? Who's lost their voice at a concert or a sporting event or something like that? Yeah, just like getting after it, right? Yelling, screaming, singing, shouting, crying, right? Celebrating, just wore out the vocal cords and been left. Ever, ever leave the best concert of your life absolutely exhausted because you yelled and screamed and sang the whole time and you're just like, I got nothing left, I'm done, man. Like, fervency level on a thousand. Scripture seems to communicate that when it comes to prayer, fervency matters. Fervency matters. Uh, fervency is having or displaying passionate intensity. Now, not every time in prayer looks like um, the rock concert. Not every time in prayer looks like the Bills game, right? Not every time in prayer looks like the uh, looks like the walking out exhausted, losing my voice, right? Not every time looks like that. But listen, folks, if no times in prayer look like that, we got a fervency problem. If not every time has to look like that, but if zero times look like that, zero. It ain't okay. Certainly not all of our prayers are passionately intense like the definition of fervency, but if our prayer life puts us to sleep more than it births a passion to see the things of God manifested in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, we know that we are lacking in the fervency department. The famous, um, you know, uh, the real Bible, the King James Version, right? The version, that the version of the Bible that Jesus read, the King James. Um, sorry if you're offended by that. Like, that wasn't meaning to be offensive to your King James Version, right? I know that Jesus spoke in it, but... Um, but the, the King James Version has probably like the, the, the most um, well-known version of this verse... James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, the, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Ever heard that version? Right? The effectual, the effective, the powerful, fervent, displaying, passionate intensity availeth much. Produces a lot. Fervency 
matters in the way in which we pray and the fruit that we see. He goes on to say, in, um, that's, that's James 5.16, right? But the next verse, James 5.17, right? Um, goes on to talk about the fervency or the earnestness of Elijah. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Verse 17, Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. What is the adjective that determines the level of his prayer is his earnestness, right? The passionate intensity and fervency with which he came before the Lord to pray for rain and to pray for no rain. It matters. Our level of fervency says something about how passionately we are taking up the cause of the thing that we are praying about. How truly we believe that we are heard and that God is eager to respond. It matters. Now you might be asking the question, well, do I just got to like rant and rave like a lunatic like you're doing now in all my prayers? Is that what it means to be fervent? Because that's not me. Listen, it's not me either. It's not me either. I'm not like this all the time, right? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> not, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to convince. Ask my wife, ask my staff, ask those who are closest to me. This is not it, right? But listen, I will tell you this much. I am, I am passionate about the Word of God, right? I, I am passionate about it, okay? And so, and so if you were to, it, so that might be a good example, right? Are there times in my preaching where I'm a little bit more subdued and serious and measured and maybe the volume? comes down a little bit, and I stay behind the table. Well, yes, right? Because, because not every situation demands a level of passionate intensity. But listen, man, when it gets in your bones, right? You can't help but letting the passion out. When you truly grab hold to what we're doing when we come boldly before the throne of grace, we can't help but be fervent and display passionate intensity when we are when we are praying to the Lord if we truly believe who we are praying to and what we are praying about there's no way to avoid it so what are some things that display fervency well i think first and foremost would be volume right we get louder as we get passionate Right? As our volume goes, as our fervency goes up, we're naturally like, man, we're getting louder. We're getting louder, right? We're getting louder. You ever like be in a place where you know you're alone, sometimes out in the woods, your house alone, and you are freaking, you're, you're just like fit to be tied with a prayer. 
and you start you start yelling at the Lord? You start yelling in prayer? Or like just in in volume, like you feel it rising up in you? Right? Fervency matters with our volume. It's quiet and subdued versus loud and passionate. Our posture matters. Posture matters. I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard to be fervent when you're in your lazy boy with your feet up, kicked back, hands behind the head, right? Listen, you're going to fervently fall asleep in prayer and you know it, right? You've been there. Like, I just like to pray when I lay down at night and I just put my head in the pillow and I just start praying. And I have a, you don't have a good prayer life, man. You use prayer to go to sleep. Prayer is not melatonin. Listen, it's not your spiritual melatonin, right? You are approaching the throne of grace with confidence, right? Let us change our physical posture. Let us show some honor to whom we are speaking when we pray. If you, if you walk, you wouldn't even do this in my office, right? If you schedule, if you schedule a meeting to come meet with me, I got a couch in my office, right? You wouldn't walk in the door and be like, hey, thanks for meeting with me. I'm just going to go ahead and lay down here. <sighs> so, this thing happened this week, and uh, that's a comfy couch. Um, can we finish this conversation in the morning? I have it a long day, so. Like, you wouldn't do that. Come on. So why would you do that in your prayer life? Like when you're taking the things that are most passionate to you, most precious to you, and you're, you're taking them to the one that can make the difference. And you're settling for being like, it's not that important. If I fall asleep, I fall asleep. I'll just say the prayers in my head. Now let's get some volume to our prayers. Yes. Let's get some volume to them. All right? You don't got to scream every single prayer. But listen, how about we start practicing by saying our prayers out loud? Yes. Out loud. We practiced this a little bit on Friday night. We had a uh, worship and prayer night here. We prayed out loud all night. And uh, yeah, you know what? When you, when you don't pray out loud ever, and then you get a whole room of people who are praying out loud, guess what it is? Awkward, right? Yeah? It's a little weird, right? And it feels different, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And... And I was like sitting here praying and I was hearing everyone in the room praying out loud. We were praying for the same thing, but everyone was just like praying, 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 praying. And I'm just like, the Lord was like, this is it. That's it. My people are praying. I felt the Holy Spirit say that like, yes, right there. That's the vibe. Here in the prayer. Another thing that affects uh, fervency is our clarity. We can pray really, really fervently, really, really passionate about something when we're really, really clear about what we're praying for. When we are super clear. 
Are you really clear about what you're praying for? Lord, I am praying for this person, that this would happen in their life, that this would stop happening, that this is the direction it would go, that this is what you would create in their life, that this is what you would destroy in their life. I'm praying for this and this and this and this and this and this and this, right? We can, we can step into fervency when we're, when, we're, when we're not searching for clarity about what we're praying for. And that's why I said that, like not every not every prayer is this passionately intense like like football game concert type of prayer because sometimes in the midst of prayer we're spending also a lot of time listening to what the Lord has to tell us has to say to us. Final factor in developing more fervency is developing more focus. We pray with our phones in our pockets. We pray with our phones on the table next to us. We pray with our phones in, our, in the same room. Right? Um, we, uh, uh, we, we, we don't get alone to pray. Right? We're always praying with other people around us. We're not developing the discipline of solitude so that we can focus and have clarity and, and display volume and posture. Right? We didn't say more. About, I just made fun of everyone for laying down. I didn't say more about posture, though, did I? Right? Like sometimes posture is here, right? Standing, arms up, like Aaron and her did for Moses, right? Holding his arms up, the posture of surrender in prayer. And sometimes the posture is, I'm here, right? And sometimes the posture is, I am flat on my face in absolute awe at the holiness of God, understanding fully and completely who it is that I am in front of right now. And I am a man. Woe is me, Isaiah says. But in the midst of my posture, there's still a boldness of coming before the throne of grace. Right? We can get low in our physical posture and be bold in our spiritual posture at the same time. It's not, it's not two different things. It's the same thing, right? I boldly take on a position of physical humility because posture matters in displaying passionate intensity. You could say the same thing about our worship. All these things, fervency in worship, Fervency in prayer, same thing. Volume matters, posture matters, clarity matters, focus matters. Take everything that was just said about fervency, about prayer, and plop it right down into a sermon about worship, and I'll preach it again in two weeks, okay? It's the same. It matters. Fervency matters. Persistence matters. Boldness matters. I hear the Lord saying that this is not a particular novel idea, but especially in regards to our prayer lives, in our lives together as a church, and in your life, and in your family, um, nothing is going to change unless you do.
Nothing is going to change unless you do. The Lord so, the Lord so desires for you to receive the gift of Himself in the in the like the the practice and time of prayer to to finally be finished with forfeiting his presence that is available to you in prayer to begin to persistently and boldly and with fervency practice daily you may be a white belt right now. You can get to black belt level. I don't even know what black belt prayer level is. Jesus, okay? Black belt level. You must always pray and never give up. Here's my challenge for you this week, okay? Um, if you're able... Do it before you leave here today. Because these are the people that are going to do it with you. Okay? There's, the, there's one thing that you know you need to be praying more about. Praying for more. Um, and you're tired of doing it. And you're not sure you can do it anymore. Or maybe you have lost a little bit of faith that the Lord is hearing you. Before you leave this place today, I want you to ask two people to pray with you this week through it or about it or for it. If it's helpful for you to say, will you pray on Monday for me? Or will you pray on Wednesday for me? Or you pray on Friday for me? Then offer them a time. Right? Or will you pray? Will you pray every day for me? Will you agree to set a timer on your phone for 9, 12, and 5 every day for the next 7 and say a prayer for me in this thing until we see the Lord Move. Grab some people today. Don't give up. Do not give up. The Lord is, is eager, right? The Lord is eager to the Lord is eager to answer your prayer. And he will, because he is a he is a good God who eagerly desires to give good gifts to his sons and his daughters. How about this? How about we stand? Let's change our posture a little bit. All right? Stand a little bit. Shake it out. Okay? If you are physically able, right, I want you to raise one hand or two if you would like. Close your eyes. Heavenly Father, earnestly, Lord, we seek you. 
with outstretched hands, Lord. With outstretched hands, we surrender, Father. Father, help to develop in us a spirit of perseverance, boldness, and fervency. That the things that we had long ago stopped praying for or believing you for, Lord, would be rebirthed in us this moment. Lord, recognize and see that we stand before you as your sons and daughters, earnestly seeking your face, desiring to abide fully with you. Lord, would you do in us a great and mighty work as we bring to you with boldness and confidence the things that are on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do, right? The end of this series, um, in a few weeks, maybe, I don't know, um, we're, we're going to have you come up here and tell the testimony of the way that the Lord answered your prayer as you persisted in prayer yourself and with one another. I want you to write it down today. Write down that prayer, right? And you begin to get people to pray with you for it, right? And in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate the testimony of God answering those prayers right here in our midst, right? We're going to be encouraged by the continued goodness of God in our midst. Write them down today. Write them down today. Ask people to pray today and don't give up. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, now and forever. Amen. You are loved.